I'm excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy. Who was the toughest guy to tackle? Ezekiel Elliott. Feed Elliott. What's up, Cowboy Nation? Let's get it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Back Row Cowboy Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. What's up, Cowboy Nation? It's your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. Cowboy Nation, what's up? And on this week's episode, we're excited to bring part two of our mock draft uh, episode. We want to thank you guys for last week's episode. It's uh, been one of our stronger episodes in the last few months, and we want to once again thank you guys for all your support as we continue to try to build this podcast. And Seth, before we jump into uh, part two of the mock draft episode, if, if you didn't catch last week's episode, we did day one and day two, so we'll be doing all of day three tonight, which for us breaks down to seven prospects. We made some trades. We ended up getting some additional capital. So we're we, the Cowboys themselves are going into this draft with 10 draft picks. We ended up with 11 yeah. via a couple trades that we made. But before we get into this episode, we do have a little bit of news and notes that we wanted to discuss. So, Seth, you want to start with the news and notes? Yeah, yesterday it was reported that uh, Rashad Robinson failed the – substance abuse policy and will be suspended for two games uh and the other piece of note uh, news that we have just happened right before we i come down here to start recording uh antron woods finally signed his tender so he's officially a cowboy for this season all right with that said let's go ahead and talk about the rashad robinson news abo how do you feel about this and go with him being suspended, maybe, maybe Reggie Robinson finally gets a shot. That's my takeaway from this. Yeah. Rashard Robinson played a lot of outside corner for us. Now, granted, the draft is just one week away. We we normally record on Thursday night. Once again, that's we're recording tonight, Thursday night. So we're just seven days away from the NFL draft. And our draft pick could change the outlook of this a lot. But even on last week's episode and the episode before that, I said that we could draft a Patrick Sertan and draft a J.C. Horn and we could still find playing time for Reggie Robinson because of those two players' ability to go inside the slot because of Trayvon's digs, because of Trayvon Diggs' ability to play in the slot. I'm, I'm, just, I'm hoping with the suspension he gets a fair shake Rashard Robinson was really thrown. Now, to speak on Rashard Robinson on this, he was really dealt an unfair hand last year. We we activated him, and it was, oh, you're starting at outside corner against Jamar Jefferson, and Adam Thielen 
who we've talked about those dynamic duos that we played at the beginning of the season last year, playing Seattle and the Rams and the Falcons. We definitely didn't give enough respect to the Vikings as we came, as we were working our way down the season last year. Jamar Jefferson said the all-time rookie record for receiving yards in a season. And I know a lot of people are, you know, a little bit down on Adam Thielen, but he was 10-plus touchdowns last year, and I think he was either just under 1,000 or, like, right at 1,000 yards. Yeah, he's pretty close. As the number two receiver in yardage for a team that's built on running the football. So this that was another duo that's really, really strong, and you activate him, and it, you activate him, and it's, okay, you know, you're either getting Jamar Jefferson or Adam Thielen. Go get him. Yeah, I was uh, – it was definitely a tough situation to be thrown in, but – you know, it, on substance abuse policy thing, like it's there's so many things out there that they're not allowed to take, and this could be something as simple as an energy drink. Like it, nowadays, like it's you take an energy drink and it has something that's you know that's scratch, scratched off the list, and they get suspended for it. Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't on purpose. I'm not saying it was on purpose. I'm just saying like. Uh, it's one of those iffy situations. And I would hope to think that a guy being on the bubble, kind of, sort of, that you wouldn't risk anything like that. Because a two-game suspension could easily get you kicked off the team and replaced by uh, somebody from the draft, for example. I mean. I'll definitely say that Rashard Robinson is on the bubble. Even coming into the season, if you read any of the kind of the news this week, Stephen Jones has come out and said, while there are offensive players that we really like in the first round, if you look at our defense, you can't not retool that in the draft. He said with as many draft picks as we have and with as many early draft picks as we have, you have to infuse some of that capital into the defense. So that's the first promising piece of news that I've heard for the first round, because you keep hearing this buzz about Kyle Pitts and it's and how scary. much Jerry Jones loves him. When you hear Stephen Jones come in and say something to the effect of what he said about the defense and the numbers they put up last year and the fact that that needs to be addressed and that we have to play three phases, you know, you have to win with at all three phases in the NFL, special teams, defense, and offense, and that you can't just keep tooling up an area that's already strong that's encouraging for me. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, that's uh, really encouraging, especially with the news a couple of weeks ago about how infatuated Jerry Jones is with Kyle Pitts. That's the last thing that me or you would want. So it is what it is. But I, I'm interested with the suspension being out there and it happening right a week before the draft. It'll be really interesting to see what Dallas does with these draft picks. You and I drafted one in the secondary on day one, and it, it, I'm, we will, we're going to get into the, um, our mock draft, and maybe we add more pieces. And we've done this bef- without even considering this news. We, we did this mock draft a couple weeks ago, and, and when we were doing the mock draft, as we were making our picks, we were really looking at the players that we liked in that range, and we were saying, this guy's, you know, this is an offensive lineman that I like. This is a secondary player. So, like, this linebacker I like. 
how does it help with team need and then also where they are on the board versus what else is there. If we're doing that, you've got to think that the guys that get paid to do this for a living, they're doing the exact same thing at a much more efficient rate than you and I could ever do it. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, you would hope to think that. So, But uh, you said something about the mock draft. We might as well get into it. Well, let's talk Antoine Woods. I think it's well, it's it's encouraging just to hear that he's signed his tender. You know he's there. I think it's just another thing that we can be secure about going into the NFL draft, knowing that we've got another defensive lineman, and it's an area that we've lacked depth for a long time, knowing that at least he's going to be there for the 2020 season. And as solid as he's been, it's just another positive that we can put on the draft board next week. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Uh, it's definitely a positive signing for us. So, uh, And like you said, the depth was needed. So, yeah, I mean, he's 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 not a guy that uh, does, a, does a lot of things great, but he does a lot of things good So or well. So – he yeah. helps in he helps in an area in which we really struggled with last year, which is in the run game. Yeah, and taking on blockers. It, sometimes you just need that space eater at the defensive tackle position, and that's what Antoine Woods is. And and we brought him in on offense, and he played a little bit of fullback, and and that's just another area we can use him. We rarely use the fullback last year, and not that you want to have a defensive tackle just because he can play fullback. It's just. If we can utilize him on those short yardage situations, maybe we don't have to dress a fullback and we can dress another position and utilize utilize some depth somewhere else. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with everything you just said. So, glad to have him back, and uh, he'll be a Cowboy for another year. So, let's go ahead and jump into this part two mock draft episode. And with our first pick, Abo jump on it at pick 115 we took bobby brown interior defensive lineman from texas a&m not the singer oh, from what? new edition bobby brown. what okay okay although i'd like to draft the bobby brown from new edition to be on the cowboys too because i like new edition now he is a four-star recruit his measurables are six foot four I've gotten 315 pounds. I've also gotten 325 pounds, so he's somewhere in that range. I think his pro day was 315 pounds. He's a junior out of Texas A&M. This guy is a space eater in the middle. I think if we draft him, he could easily push for the starting job at the nose tackle, which would solidify Neville Gallimore at the three technique, one of the things that you and I talked about this offseason is, is Neville Gallimore going to play the three technique or is he going to play the one technique in the defense? I think if we draft Bobby Brown here and he gets the starting job, if he, I think it would be him and Woods and Hill in a competition and, and Gallimore in there too. I think no matter who, no matter where he would be drafted, there would be a competition with only one guy being guaranteed a starting job, and that's Neville Gallimore. But I think if we take him here, we've got much more depth at the nose tackle position. So I think it, it would really allow Neville Gallimore to just concentrate on playing the three technique, which I think with a player of his skill set and coming into your second year, not throwing the book at him I think is, is something that we need to do. We need to have him 
focused on getting better at just one position, and, and Bobby Brown does this. Some things that I saw on tape, for a big guy, he moves really well side to side. Yep. He can split the double teams. He can slice through the double teams. And, and he faced a lot of double teams in college uh, from everything I saw on tape. I think he's really strong with his hands. He, he's got the ability to shed blockers using his hands. He's not much in – He's he doesn't offer much in the pass rush. I, I didn't see a lot in, in the pass rush, which – I think that that's something that he can improve in the NFL because he has that ability to get upfield. He's got that ability to make – he makes plays in the backfield against the run. So I think there's just some technique things that can be taught in the NFL, working with other professional defensive linemen, working with hopefully a higher-rated defensive line coach, working with a Dan Quinn at defensive coordinator – they can teach him to be better against the pass. Because in today's NFL, with how strong teams' passing games are and and how the rules really are in favor of teams passing the ball a lot more, you've got to have the ability to do both. So I think that that's something he would really have to work on in the NFL to get a consistent workload, to get a consistent snap share. And sometimes the motor ran a little hot and cold for me. He would make a, a big-time play, and he would get fired up. And then the next play, it, it just didn't seem like you got that effort on the, on, the sec, on the play after. But I think that that's also something that can be taught. If he goes where we take him here, th- there's going to be I – mean, I don't think he would be on the – bubble by any means not being taken this early early no, day three I think so. but there's going to be pressure on him to perform right away to prove us wrong and, and to say I should have gone much higher and you hope that if you put that chip on his shoulder that he'll step up and perform with it yeah you would hope to think so and uh you you said every pro that I have on my paper so I'm not gonna repeat you know what you just said over again. Uh, you know, one of my cons was the lack of dominance, which is uh, basically what you said about the hot and cold. You know, there are plays where, you know, one or two plays straight, he's he's dominant. And then, you know, the next three or four plays after that, it's almost like he's not even on the field. Uh, <laughs> in 2020, that's when he had his most productive year. Um he played two years prior to this. Nobody heard his name until 2020 season. So he stepped his game up in 2020 season. So um, that's really my biggest concern. Uh, you know how I feel about it. I've said it before on the show. You know how I feel about those uh, one-year wonder type players. You know, I've, I've always liked the the groundwork, you know, and – he just doesn't have it. It, it. it he popped up in 2020, and that's, I mean, basically, without question, you know, he put his name on the board. But at the end of the day, uh, that's my biggest concern about him. I don't, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's my biggest concern, really. I think that he's the type of player 
that you would want to have one of those virtual visits with, that you would want to sit down and talk to and have Dan Quinn sit down with uh, Mike McCarthy and talk to him because that that hot and cold motor, that can be – that can be a career killer in the NFL. Yeah. In the NFL, if you aren't working to be the best every single day, someone is going to supplant you quick. Albert Hainsworth is a perfect example. All um, the talent in the world. Yeah. And and just he just once he got paid, the effort just went away. And, and, and then he, he went away. So and yeah. in the NFL, if you're not working to be the best every single day, you you're you're going to fall to the wayside. So I think that this is a player that you really need to get in, you really need to talk to and find out why is the motor hot and cold. And, and you hope that if you bring in a player like this, playing beside Neville Gallimore, that can be infectious and he can catch that fever yep. because Neville Gallimore is all gas all the time. Yeah, that's – I don't want it to make it sound like I was down in the player because I'm – I'm not. I really like the player. I I would be excited to get into where we got him at. But like you said, you know the hot and cold thing is a big concern for me. But like I said, the the one year deal is my biggest concern. And I'm like you. I'm hoping that it's something that Dan Quinn can can coach up and and like and also Gallimore. The way you said, you know, the way he plays. I mean that that could easily rub off. And that I mean that to me that's. It could all, it could be a competition between the two, like who does you know who's who's the man this play? Well, I you know I did my thing last what last play. Let's see what you can do this play. Blah blah. You know. And, well, I think in, and also if you put him in between Lawrence and Gallimore, I mean Lawrence brings that too. So so you have to hope that he'll catch that fever that that get that motor running burning hot each and every play, but. For me, my biggest concern is is the lack of pass rush. Uh, I know the one year thing. I understand the concerns for it, but that that's probably ultimately why he's going day four, because he's got some day two, day one tools in, in the tool belt. I think it's the fact that he's a one year wonder, and just the lack of pass rush. Because in today's NFL, you just don't have those first and second down run stuffers and then you bring in the pass rush specials on third down because a lot of teams are going no huddle you don't have time to do substitutions and if you've got a player that's got a a, a weakness against the pass all, the good offensive coordinators will exploit it so that's the biggest concern with me with this player but getting him at the beginning of day three when we could with that talent he's a player that i would take a risk on seth why don't you go ahead and uh, lead us into our next pick well, this is our uh, second pick in the fourth round at pick 138. Uh, we went ahead and picked Aaron Banks, guard from Notre Dame. Uh, this dude is humongous. Uh, 6'5", 338 pounds. Uh, wingspan is 82. His arms is 33 and an eighth. Uh, <clears throat> his hands or 10 and an eighth, and his bench press at the pro day, at his pro day was 24. Um, I didn't write down the three-cone shuttle and all that other stuff. Uh, <clears throat> what I seen on film was I'm going to go with my pros and cons just like I did last week. Uh, first off, I mean, it's clear when you hear 338, that's, that's a big man. That's – 
that's a dude that's gonna get in your way, and if even if he's not good, I mean he's he's just he's a big man. Uh, <clears throat> plays with that nasty attitude. Now we was talking about um, uh, Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, Alex Leatherwood not having that nasty ass attitude. This this dude has it without question. Uh, provides that really good strong punch out the gate which is another thing we said about Leatherwood as well. Uh, <clears throat> quick out of a stance, both passing and run blocking. Um, strong base to take on power rushers. Uh, he, I think he would struggle more towards the, the faster guys. The power guys, he can pretty much you know hold his own on. Uh, good getting in position for screens. Now... <sighs> I'm gonna go on to the cons here in a second, but you know he's he's a really good screen guy because screens are a little different than pulling, and basically on screens they go to a set spot, and the design of the play is the running back is supposed to follow his blockers and lead his blockers into the defenders and then break it loose. Uh, so he's really good at you know doing the screens or whatever. Rarely gets pushed back. Uh, He's always really good at getting the initial push, which is uh obviously that's something that you love to have in your in your guard. Uh a few cons that I have on him. Uh his hands uh do tend to get caught outside more than it should, which everybody knows when the hands get outside, it's easier for the referees to throw the laundry. So um that could lead to a lot of holes. Uh, consistency. He can he can dominate at times, and they seen this. Uh, I seen this when I looked at a, a senior bowl tape. Um, there are plays where he dominated, and there are plays where he looked average. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, he doesn't possess good side to side movement, which which causes him to miss assignments. And that's and some of that's part of the pulling game. Uh I don't think he's a great puller and I think we 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 pull our guards fairly often. Um he he struggles and and, and it's more so uh I mean if if he's hitting the defensive end, that's one thing because he's right there. But if he's going Pulling and running down the field to a linebacker, he has a a little bit of trouble adjusting to the right angle to get to him and stuff like that. Um, he can be a little slow to pick up the stunts and uh, uh, disguise blitz. You know those late blitzes and those exotic blitzes. Uh, he's a little slow to pick on pick those up, and it, you know it, you can see it on film. He struggles a little bit with that. Uh. He's not real dominant in the run game. As guys, a guy as big as he is, you would think he would he would dominate in the run game without question. I think he's a better pass blocker, personally. Uh, he can he can still be a run blocker, but I, personally, I think he's a better pass blocker. And a lot of these guys, a lot of scouts project him to be a tackle. Um, from what I've seen on film, I I disagree. Uh, I think he's – I don't think he has the footwork for it. I think he would get beat 
a lot, especially with the 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 speedy edge rushers. I think he would he would struggle a great deal. Personally, with the nasty attitude he has, I would love to see him at the guard position. Uh, obviously, he's not going to take over Zach Martin's job, but maybe he pushes Connor Williams. Um, personally, I'd rather him stay at a guard. So that's that's how I feel about him. Yeah, I um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up is Notre Dame offered him the chance to play tackle, and he turned it down. And he said he wanted to stay at guard. They had Eichenberg at left on the left side, and I think that maybe they were trying to offer him the chance to play on the right side. And he turned it down and said he wanted to stay at guard. And I think some of the weaknesses that you were talking about, that side-to-side agility, you've got to have that when you play tackle. No question. When we were talking Leatherwood, I wasn't as concerned the the fact that he didn't have that nastiness and didn't have the strongest punch. The punch wouldn't need to get better because you, you've got to get your hands on the pass rushers quick in today's game. Yes, sir. But the fact that he moves so well side-to-side – Sometimes if, if you miss a beat with your hands, your feet can help catch up. And he has really strong feet. Banks doesn't have the footwork to make up for the fact he would have to win with his punch yeah. because he doesn't have the athleticism to move strong enough side to side. He's got heavy feet. so And, and like you said, that nasty attitude, he belongs at guard. I You know – I think those deficiencies moving side to side can be covered up staying inside. And and maybe he knew that about himself. You know, there's a saying, know thyself. And he probably knew that when they asked him to move outside. No, I'm a guard. This, I need to play inside. I need to be down in the trenches, getting my hands on them right away. I want those defensive tackles coming right at me and because that's what his strength is. I watched him, and then we also watched a lot of Brown. That's a that's a player that we talked about at length, even though we didn't draft him last week. Neither is a great pulling guard, but they're they're not great for two different reasons. If Brown gets to the p, if he gets to the side and and he beats the running back there, he knows who to get. He knows where to go with it. The best guards in the NFL, they know what player to block. Even if that linebacker is the closest one there, sometimes they let him go because he just the angle's not there, the running back's going to get past him, and the great ones know that. And so they push forward to the second level, and that's where you see those 40, 50, 60-yard runs on, on pulling plays is when that happens. When the linebacker takes a bad angle and can't get to the running back and the guard's already at the second level, Brown knows the guy to block. Banks looked like on times when he would go outside, he just had looked – it looked like there was some indecision there. That, that's a little bit of what I saw. And in the NFL game, and with how much we pull, you've got to know who to hit to spring Zeke to that second level. So that's one thing that that I would worry about taking him. But Leatherwood is a strong enough puller, and Tyron Smith is a strong enough puller that we've even said maybe you pull your tackle. Maybe you implement that in the offense. If you take a player like Banks, I think you leave him at guard and you just let him be a mauler, and you, you work your tackles to the opposite side. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I think uh... – 
I think it'd be crazy talk to try to move him to a tackle position. I think he's a perfect fit for the guard position, and I, I, he's a perfect candidate to push Connor Williams. We we've talked about really wanting on this podcast a lot. We've talked about wanting to push Connor Williams. We talked about a player for five ten minutes last week that we didn't even draft. Only hope falls there. And how did we respond when we didn't get Brown last week? We had our radar on Banks with both picks. You know, we really, but we we really wanted to solidify the trenches on, on day three. You and I have both been Cowboys fans for as long as I can remember the the twenty years we've known each other. So we go back to the Bill Parcells years, and Bill Parcells said you have to win in the trenches. And even though today's game is so spread open and, and it's so much about speed. If you look at – just look at the Super Bowl. The, Can- the Kansas City offensive line was decimated, and that Tampa Bay front seven just dominated the game. They won in the trenches and ended up winning the Super Bowl because of it. So even though that mentality has gone away, you still see it in those big-time premier football games. You have to win in the trenches, and that's what we wanted to do to start off day three. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't care how much the game changes. Um, you know, 20 years now, the game is going to be way different than today's game. But the one thing that's going to stay the same is, like you just said, offense, offensive line and defensive line, whoever wins in the trenches, most more times than not, is who's going to win the game. Just because uh, – Without either, especially the offensive line, then the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, the running backs, they're nothing. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you just said there. So, Well, let's go and lead into our next player, and the, and the next player is Tyreek Thompson, senior safety out of San Diego State. Every other player that we've taken in this draft has come from a big school, and this is kind of the first smaller school player that we've taken his size is six foot tall uh 200 pounds this is a player that when we took him I knew a little bit about him but I was intrigued enough about him to I I wanted to dig in a little bit deeper and I'm glad I did this is a player that is extremely versatile he lined up in a slot he lined up in short zone. He lined up in deep zone. He covered tight ends. He covered wide receivers. He did a little bit of everything. And in a secondary that's not very solidified, he'd, he'd be a great dart to throw and just see where he stuck because I think he would stick somewhere. And his ability to play in a slot, if we want a bigger slot player, let's say Jordan Lewis, we, we come into camp, we take one of these higher upside corners at 10, one of the bigger guys, Sertan, Horn, trade back, take Farley to pair him up with Trayvon Diggs. And then you see Jordan Lewis and you're like, man, we need a little more size at, at, in the nickel position. We really we're, – we're, we're trying to have that fit at, at all the positions in the secondary. This is a player that you could move inside and try him out at nickel. I, I think that he was very fluid with the hips. I think that he was very strong in coverage. Ball hog. 11 11 career interceptions. We talked about Horn and how he only had two interceptions. He got those in the same game. 
Thompson's was more spread out. So you saw that consistent playmaking ability. It didn't just come in spurts. You saw it year in, year out. He also had five career force fumbles. Uh, One of the cons on him is he's not the strongest tackler in the world, but he can jar the ball loose, and he can create some plays. Once again, I've said it over and over again, when was the last time we had a big-time premier playmaking free safety? I, I think that that's probably where he projects more in the NFL, but I think he's a player that we could try in the slot as well if we wanted to get some competition going. But I think he probably projects in our defense a little bit better as a free safety just because I saw a player that was so good playing that deep zone, playing that um, center field free safety position that that's what I would want to see out of him in, in the NFL because we – I'm going to say it again. We haven't had a dominant free safety since Darren Woodson. I was still in school when he was there. And I'm not even talking college. I'm talking middle school and high school. Yes. Yeah, uh, we don't have to keep bringing it up. That's, that's sad. But, yeah, but I, you I, do, I, need, I, to, I, you do I, need to keep bringing it up because I, it's a hole in the defense. I, I know. I know. We've yeah. talked about – you look at those dominant defenses – and I know that it's we're not even close to those Raven defenses. We're not even close to those Pittsburgh Steelers defenses. We're not even close to those old 49er defenses. But you look at the safety play, the Denver Bronco defenses with John Elway, the Tampa Bay defense that I won in 2001. You look at the safety play, and it was just premier safety play from really strong safeties we haven't had one in so long. I like Wilson, but we've talked about the, the fact that he's not great in coverage. If you want to play him near the line and have him be Cam Chancellor, this is a much bigger version of what Earl Thomas was. Now, granted, Earl Thomas was a strong tackler for his size, but you're talking about that ball hawking ability, that ability to flip those hips in deep zone coverage, the ability to take the ball away. He brings all of that. And this is just a player I really like. Obviously, you can see, getting a little bit passionate with it. This is a player that I really, really like. Last year, guess what? This was pick – Seth, do you have the pick on this? What pick? It was 179. Yeah, 179. It was 179. Yeah, 179. At 123 last year, guess what? You and I took a player that we both watched on tape and both fell in love with his ability that we saw on tape. Pick 179 this year. This is a player that I saw on tape, and I fell in love with the playmaking ability. I think he's a really strong player. Yes, there are some deficiencies in his game. The lack of size hurts the the fact that he's only 200 pounds. We've had some safeties that have come in and have had some injury concerns. Now, granted, they all played 10, 15 pounds smaller than him, and they were also a lot shorter than him. And the fact that uh, he's not the strongest tackler. But that stuff can be taught. That natural playmaking ability, that, that's something you just have or don't. Those instincts that you you either just have them or you don't. That's it. Yeah, that's it 100%. Uh, <clears throat> as far as my pros go, like it's everything you said, but my favorite pro out of all of them is, and I just mentioned it a minute ago, on uh, Brown and – uh, the fact that he's a, a four-year starter. He was a four-year starter there. Uh, he was an all-freshman team as a as a freshman. 
He was three-time second-team All-Mountain West. And then, of course, his senior year, he was first-team All-Mountain West. Uh, so, that to me, that just shows uh, – and if you look at his stats in his play, he improved every year. So, uh, that's that's really the biggest one for me, and you know how I am about it. I just love those guys that have uh, that four years of experience, you know, started from the gate and got better as they progressed to college. Uh, as far as all my pros go, you pretty much hit the nail on the head on everything that I got. Um, so I won't go into that. And like you said, he's he's I he's gonna be a free safety for us, but. He's going to be a really good nickel corner for us. I, you know, they paid that money to Lewis. Uh, me and you didn't like it. Uh, I, I think he can he can be a better nickel for nickel corner for us just because he's a little bit bigger. Um, but you know the cons that I got is you know his speed. Uh, he ran a four seven five forty. Um. That's a little slower than I want to see on the field, and I think. But I think he plays faster than that on I, tape. I think he plays faster than that, but I think if you happen to put him in any kind of man, and the wide receiver takes a deep route, I think you're gonna you're gonna see the issues there. Uh, he doesn't have the quickness to to make up a step. I should say, I guess. Um, and I, yeah, I think he's gonna struggle with the with the speedier receivers. Uh, <clears throat> lacks range uh, to be a full, uh, full-time full deep safety, and I think that uh, translates to the speed as well. Um, to me, he's best suited for I, – I don't want to see him in much man. I'd rather see him in more zone. Uh, I think his, his, his speed is protected there as a zone player. I don't really want to see him in much man. Um, tends to run into blockers. Um, he kind of runs himself out of the play sometimes when it comes to uh, defending the run. Uh, he kind of he I I guess it's I don't know if you would call it bad angles or whatnot. He kind of runs himself into the block uh, more so than anything. So uh, that's just a few cons that I had on him. Um, but as far as some of the you know stuff you said. You know, about you know, obviously he's a ball hawker. Um yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean that's about all I have on I don't want to be a broken record and repeat everything you said. Well, so. one of the things that you brought up w- was the lack of just straight line speed. I think that that's one reason why he would struggle at nickel corner, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so high on him as a free safety, because if you look at the Seattle defense and what they did, Earl Thomas just played a deep center field, and then he was just allowed to use his eyes and his instincts and his playmaking ability, that's what made him so successful in this defense. I think that Thompson can do the exact same thing. So that's one of my pro. That's one of my. I'm sorry. That's one of my cons against him playing nickel corner. Is because the if if he ran a four four a mid four four or a four five. I think this is a player that could go be going the other way. That could be going up yeah. instead of falling a little bit down. Well, and I think that's part of the reason why he's falling this late. I like you. I think if he ran a four four, even a four five, 
I think he bumps up another round at least, in my opinion. But I think the speed, and you're right, he does play a little bit faster than the speed, but that 40 time is still a concern for me. It's a concern, but I think that you can cover it up. By having well, him play, by playing having him play in that deep safety, yeah, playing yeah. that deep zone, I think that covers it up. But if 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 uh, you're willing to put your free safeties in man more so than your strong safeties, so I I don't want to see him in a lot of man. I'd rather see him in a lot of deep zones. I think also with his size and with his frame, he's got the ability to tack on a little bit more weight. And maybe you can, maybe you teach him how to press. You teach him how to be a little bit more physical, and then you can use his length. You can use some of that to to cover up some of the deficiencies. That that's what I'm hoping here out of him. And one more thing I wanted to bring up: one of his cons that I've seen, he's, and and this has everything to do with the ball hawk mentality. He is he is definitely that big, uh, go up and get type. He's got the vert. He's he's got he's got that big leap, and he's really good at using it. To I don't know what the words I'm trying to figure out here. Are you talking about as a con? No, as a pro. I wanted to. I thought you said con. Yeah. I'm sorry. As a pro, uh, that big leap to contest passes at high points in the air. Uh, I think he's uh, showing on film. I think he's really good at doing that. He plays the ball like a wide receiver. Exactly, and and the the greatest ball hawks of all time. I mean, that's the way they played the position. They played the position like the quarterback was throwing the ball to them, not the wide receiver. And for a player that we're taking this late, I mean, we're in round five here at, at one seventy nine. At this point, I'm looking for upside. I'm looking for upside, and I'm looking for scheme fit, and I'm looking for players that can help fill a position on a depth chart and compete for a starting job. And that's what I think we get with him. Uh, you I know, agree. Th- this late, you're everyone's going to have some holes in their game because if they didn't, they'd be going on day one or day two. So that, that's just one thing I wanted to say about the player and, and some of his deficiencies. And, and with, with all of these players, there's a reason that we're getting them where we're getting them and we're having to talk about them this late on the episode, and, and we weren't able to talk about them last week, is because there are holes in their game. But you have to hope that with some NFL coaching, and the fact that he came from a smaller school, and you talked about being second team All-Mountain West every year but a senior year, and then a senior year being the first team All-Mountain West, he was the best player on the field. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. So you have to hope that that mentality will follow him to, to the next level. And um, while he was a, a small time, uh, while he was a smaller school player, let's reach. Let's jump over to our next player. And, and at 189, we drafted corner Trey Brown, uh, senior out of Oklahoma. And this will be surprising to a lot of people when I talk about his size and his measurables. He's only five foot nine, 185 pounds. And so there are probably a lot of red flags. You know, going oh, off, yeah, right going off, off out there. People are already thinking, well, you know, Seth and Adam, you don't like Jordan Lewis. These are his measurables. The that's the con for Trey Brown. Is yeah. five foot nine, one hundred eighty five pounds. If he was six foot tall, two hundred pounds, six foot one, two hundred ten pounds, 
he wouldn't be around earlier. He wouldn't be two rounds earlier. I mean, you're talking like second round. Yeah, uh, early second, I think. Personally. Because he's five foot nine and plays every bit of six foot, six foot one. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think that he's got really smooth hips in coverage, tracks the ball really, really well when it's in the air. He's got really strong burst. He's got a great eye for reading plays. He's got really strong instincts. Uh, One of the reasons we actually took him is uh, this other pro that I have for him. We've talked about wanting to add something to the special teams, and the fact that our return game has just been eh. And also the fact that CeeDee Lamb, I'm not in love with him returning punts anymore. You saw it. You saw the injury happen with Dez. I don't want it to happen to CeeDee Lamb. I just – the ceiling's too high with him as a receiver to be marginal him out there as a return man every single punt for 16 games. This is a really, really strong return man. So we took him for the return ability and for his prowess on special teams. What I saw on defense was just a really, really nice added bonus – even though his measurables are the exact same thing, it's really close to Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis plays like a smaller corner. Trey Brown's got no problem mixing it up with those bigger guys, and he's got no problems being physical. One of the cons against him is his size hurts him with his physicality, but he plays so much more physical than than what his size dictates. Yeah. <laughs> Stop reading off of my paper here. Uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> everything you just said, like that's uh, everything I, I love about him. Um, uh, another thing, he was a three-year starter. Uh, once again, that's my big thing. I, I want to see the, you know, the groundwork. I don't want to see these one-year guys. Uh, uh, he's a very feisty and aggressive uh, player, which – me and you both really like uh great speed you know to cover the deep vertical routes uh he's a willing tackler he's he's a smaller guy but like you said he's willing to bump his with the bigger guys uh high motor player uh he doesn't give up on the play he always seems to be around it by the end of it um my biggest things is a lot of it had to do with his size just the fact that he's undersized uh we would never uh, be comfortable putting him out there on the outside as against somebody like a Metcalf or something like that. I mean, that's just that's just asking for trouble. No, he's no, he's strictly a slot guy. Oh well, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Uh, um, he's a bit grabby uh, when he gets in trouble or you know feel like he's a step behind. Uh, he has a tendency to grab a little bit, so uh, that was a little bit of concern to me. And earlier, I said he was very aggressive. He likes to jump routes a lot, and sometimes he pays for that. And this is, other than size, is one of the reasons why he's fallen uh, towards the back end of the draft. Um, very easily blocked in the run game, and. Uh, Lack strength against the bigger, more physical receivers, which I just said a minute ago. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just it's unfortunate that that all the cons that you mentioned, a lot of that's just due to lack of size. That's it. I mean, all of it and, is. And even even the grabbing, and the problem is, if you're five foot nine, unless you have an extremely high vertical, I mean, like an out of this world vertical, it, it can be hard to make that step up. With your length, a lot of you know, there are plenty of corners that get beat. Jalen Ramsey's been beat on routes before, but he's just so long and he's just such a good athlete that he can make up that lost step with just his length. Trey yeah. Brown, when he loses that step, his lack of size doesn't allow him to make up for that, so he's really got to be in your hip pocket the yeah. whole time. And, and that's one of my things against these smaller corners is. Everything's got to be right. They've got to be right in your hip pocket the whole time. We talk about wide receivers just just to go on a very very short tangent. Uh, there's a lot of talk of is the NFL moving to the smaller, more shifty guy. It works for guys like Brady because they're just so accurate. But you look at like Josh Allen, who progressed so much as a passer this year. And his first few years in the NFL, who's he throwing to? I mean, John Brown is is an extremely talented wide receiver, but he's under six foot tall. Cole Beasley can put guys on skates with his route running ability, but at the end of the day, he's like five eight. Yeah. So the the ball's got to be right there. Whereas you go and get a Diggs, whose catch radius is like from me to the end of my house, with with the with the catches he makes. I mean, he goes up in the air. And he just, you know, he can he can make those one-hand catches. He can barely get two feet in, and it feels like he's catching the ball four yards out of bounds just because he's got such a big catch radius. All of a sudden, Josh Allen goes from like a 55% passer to a 70% completion passer, and 160 targets went to Diggs. That's the, it works the same way for me at the cornerback position. When you're four or five inches shorter than your guy you're going against, everything's got to be perfect at the wide at the wide receiver position. The ball's got to be perfect because you're just shorter and you're probably gonna have a smaller catch radius. When you're a corner, you got to be right on their hip pocket and right with the receiver because you just don't have that extra four or five inches or that extra length with your arms to make up for the fact that you might be a step behind. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said there. It's uh, and that's and that's the very reason why he's such a late round pick. Like we said, if he was a little bit bigger, then he would be our early day two pick. But if uh, we if we want a corner that per, that's a little bit smaller and a little more shifty, if if we want a Jordan Lewis type player, that's the reason why we still really like this player is because I think he can come in and push Jordan Lewis. And I, you said he's got that aggression. He's got that mentality to want to be the best on the field. And we've talked about Jordan Lewis and, and how he looked his rookie year versus how he looks today. And, and we don't see a lot different, a lot of difference. Maybe even he's a little bit worse. Brown is a player that wants to be better each and every day. He, he, he's a hard worker. So he, he would come in and push Jordan Lewis just for the sheer fact that he's going to come out there and he's going to want to get better. He's going to want to learn something new. He's going to want to improve something with his game every day. And just that special team's ability, just the kick return ability, that punt return ability, that's just that's something we need on the team. And, and even if that's all he is, is a depth slot corner 
and just a dynamic kick returner, we're getting him here in the sixth round. Well, yeah, I mean, and that also takes, uh, you know, Tony Pollard off the field, and it takes CeeDee Lamb off the field. You know, CeeDee Lamb is more part of our offense than Pollard is, but still, you know, Pollard has his own role in the Oh, yeah, Pollard, Pollard gets eight to ten touches a game. So you don't want to put him in harm's way any more than you have to. And if, like you said, if he's nothing but a depth slot guy, then being able to fill in and a lot of guys make a living off just special teams alone. I mean, he could be one of those guys that could make it just on special teams. This this late in the in the draft, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for core special teams player. I you're mean, looking for somebody that can come in and fill a specific role, he, he fills a couple roles as a return man and then also as some solid depth in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, and he could very well make a whole career as a special, you know, special team artist or whatever. Devin Hester done it. Now, I'm not comparing him to Devin Hester by Please any means. Please don't compare him to Devin Hester but what as I'm a return saying is, man. But what I'm just saying, Devin Hester did it because Devin Hester was never relevant as a receiver. So, uh yeah, I mean, that's my take on I think. Look at he, Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson. I mean, I understand he was getting carries with the Bears. That was just. That was a joke. The, <sighs> that was a bad joke, really. It really like, was. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I own a lot of David Montgomery. I own also a lot, a lot of Allen Robinson. You would think I'm a Bears fan and a Jacksonville fan as much Allen Robinson as I've owned yeah. in my years of playing fantasy football. It, man. Yeah, before we go on a tangent, Cordero Patterson getting carries in a run game. I was just, whew. Yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and jump on to our next guy. And uh, this is a guy we picked at uh, number 192, uh, Coyote Ashika. He is a guard slash offensive tackle, tackle for play for Buffalo. Um. Six five, uh, excuse me. Six five, three hundred fifteen pounds. I've seen heavier. I've seen three twenty five. I've seen three oh five. So it's a little up in the air as far as how heavy, how big he is. But uh, he's got thirty two inch arms. Uh, twenty eight on the bench press at his pro day. Um, my biggest pro on him, and I. I sound like a broken record here, but he was a four-year starter. So, uh, the experience is there, definitely for sure. Uh, great worth eth- work ethic. Uh, a lot of guys described him as a first in and last out, not only in the film room, but in the gym as well. So, not only physically does he want to be the best, but mentally he wants to be the best on the field as well. So, that's always a great sign. Uh, a powerful run blocker. Uh Buffalo ran the ball a lot. Uh, they did not pass the ball a whole lot. So, that's kind of natural there. That, I mean, if he's not a good pass, I mean, run blocker, then obviously he's not a four-year starter there. Um, <clears throat> pretty decent footwork. Uh, the footwork could use some work for sure. Uh, he's also – he's a bull in the running game. Powers through defenders. Uh, I've seen this multiple times on short and distance. He just bullied through defenders. Um, he's an okay pass rusher, which is going to be a con for me as well, just because it wasn't a lot of experience. He's He lacks experience as a pass rusher just because of the fact that Buffalo was such a heavy 
running team. Um, another con that I have on him is uh, he can be a bit grabby. Uh, he allows his hands to get outside. Uh, the shoulder pads a little too much. And like I said before, and that's what I said with Banks as well, you know, that, that causes laundry to be thrown. Uh, sometimes gets his, his hands out. I just said that. Sometimes gets his hands out the shoulder pads. Sorry. Uh, I don't think for foot quickness is – his foot quickness isn't good enough to be tackled. Uh, that – I think he would struggle out there. Uh, I think he's best suited for a guard position, but I think he can provide depth at the tackle position as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's about all I have as for him as – I think that he's got a nice, nasty streak. I think that he, coming out of Buffalo, as much as they run, it's the tackles are almost guards because everyone's job is to just get downhill and open up holes for the running backs. So I think that even playing as a tackle, he's got that guard mentality, that nasty mentality. The fact that he's got to pancake someone and he's got to put someone on – you know, he's got to put someone on the ground. Another strength of his is that he played both tackle positions. Played a little bit on the left. He played a little bit on the right. I think where we're getting this player, and you said pick 192. Yeah. He's fantastic depth. Our swing tackle position last year wasn't great. We signed Cameron Irving. He was just coming off Super Bowl season with the Kansas City Chiefs. And we thought that he was going to be our swing tackle last year and he was going to provide depth for Collins and for Smith. And then, of course, they get hurt and can't play. He's forced into action, and he gets hurt immediately and is out for the year. And that's when we went into the whole steal and night. I think that this is a player that could come in and back up both the left tackle and the right tackle position because he has experience at both. And he does have that nasty streak. And he could also provide some depth at the guard position. I'm with you. I think that the footwork needs definitely needs some refinement in the NFL. He's if he's going to play outside. Um, he also he doesn't move well laterally. And once again, at the tackle position, if you're going to do it, you've got to be able to move side to side because the offensive ta- the the defensive uh, lineman, if they know that they can take you wide and beat you. That's free roam at at the um, quarterback all day. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said, a hundred percent. I think uh, personally, I think he's the best fit for the guard position. But I think he can he can handle the tackle position. And like you said, he played both sides, left and right. So that's anytime you can find players that play both sides, you know that's always a plus and. Usually that uh, that allows you a roster spot on a team more often than not just because of the experience alone. A lot of games, we were only dressing like four tackles, and we are only dressing like three to four guards. If he can suit up at both positions and you know that he can back up Smith and you know that he can back up Collins and you know that obviously in this mock draft we took Banks, so Banks is, is probably going to be – Pushing Williams, maybe surplanting Williams. But this is just another player that can play multiple positions. And I think when you're taking someone this late, we're, we're getting him at 192. 
not everyone's going to be a starter. If you can take – we've got 11 players on this board right now. If we walk away with, what, five starters, yeah. we're probably winning executive of the year. And, and, you know, I can tell you if that happens, our, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to get out the weekly content for, for the listeners. So right. if, if we could get – if you can get four or five starters, that's – that's fantastic, but in an eleven-player draft, if you can find eight guys that can fill a role, whether it's as a starter or as valuable depth, that's also how you draft winning football teams. Because then you don't have to invest as much money on depth players in free agency. You can really go after those one or two guys that can help upgrade a position or help put you over the top. So you know. I know that we've sounded a little bit negative on on some of these players, but you know I said it at the beginning. There's a reason they're going as late as they are. There's going to be holes in their games, but this is a player that I really like that we could take at 192 and just be valuable depth all across the line at a position that was just ravished by injuries last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it would be a great addition to the team and. Um, yeah, well, I don't have anything else left to say on him, so I guess we'll jump on to our next pick. Uh, pick 227, uh, we picked Jonathan Cooper, a defensive end for Ohio State. Uh, this He's a 6'2", 254-pound guy. Wingspan is at 278. Arms is uh, – Wingspan 278. I mean 78, I'm sorry. 78-and-a-half wingspan. Uh, arms is 31 and 5 eighths. His hands is 9 and 3 quarters. Uh, at his pro day, he ran uh, 4 6 9 40, uh, a 33 inch vert. Uh, his broad jump was right 9 dead even. Uh, short shuttles of 4 3 1. His three cone was 6 9, and his bench was 28. Um, I started watching uh, film on him. I, to be honest with you, I didn't know a whole lot about him before him. He's a seventh round player, uh, um, and I really liked what he brought to the table. I think he can add pretty good depth at the defensive end position as well. Um, I, let me go ahead and start off with my pros. Um, he's he's got a really explosive first step. Uh, he's very athletic. Um, Great hand uses and a violent strength while attacking the lineman. Uh, he's very strong for his. Uh, he's very strong uh, where he lines up and high motor guy always finds his way near the ball. If not, he's the tackler himself. He's near it for sure. Uh, very good being disruptive in the run game. Able to share blockers pretty well. Uh, perfect size for today's defensive end positions. Uh, 6'2", 6'3", 254. Uh, that's a good size for today's defensive ends. Um, unlike Basham, he utilizes the swim, the bull rush, and speed and power moves consistently. Uh, you know, we talked about Basham, how he, you know, he used that swim move a lot, and that's – for the most part, that's what he had, and that's it. Uh, he utilizes all those pretty well. Um, 
good starting experience. Uh, several games under his belt. I'm not going to do the broken record thing. Y'all know how I feel about that. Uh, some of his cons that I've seen was he's not a great bender at the corner. He's got stiff ankles. Uh, he's not going to be – He's not a Von Miller type, let's put it that way. You know how Von Miller is like when he bends the corner, it's like he's almost at the ground. You're not going to see him doing this. Um, and that's from the stiff ankles. He just he just doesn't have the capabilities to do it. Uh, stiff hips. It slows his uh, direction in short areas. Uh, relies on power moves too often to share blockers. Uh very ineffective on the short passes. Uh, lack of arm length, which allows linemen to get inside his pads, and everybody knows if the lineman gets inside in the chest, it's – I mean, for the most part, you're, you're pretty much done there. Uh, overall, from what I've seen, uh, I think he would be a good, really good depth guy for us. Um, maybe at some point, you know, he could maybe be a starter down the road, uh, but he's he's – Right off the bat, he's starting as a depth guy that can maybe, you know, come in and spell, you know, Tank or, you know, Gregory or whoever. You're hoping that he can even develop into being like a pass rush specialist this late in the, in the draft. We're at 227 here, Seth. You're not expecting to get a pro bowl. Exactly. You're not expecting him to be a pro bowler, to, to be a good football player and a good value for where you got him. When I think of this player, and one of the things that we talked about is if you're going to take someone this late, man, you swing hard for the fences. And that's what we did with this player. We saw Ohio State. We saw the fact that there were a lot of tools in the tool belt. We took Bradley not last year. The, the Cowboys did. He had a lot of tools in the tool belt, and you hope that – with that and then with the work ethic that he can find a role on the team. This is the second defensive end that we've drafted alone. You know, we took Basham on day two. You're hoping that you bring in a Cooper and you just – there's a lot of competition at at that other spot opposite Tank Lawrence or even that – eventually Tank Lawrence, you don't want him playing 60, 70 snaps every single week. Not if you're planning on making a deep run into the into the playoffs. You want him fresh for the playoff run. You hope that a player like this in the Rondell Carter, who's a player that I've been super hype on uh, since we signed him as an undrafted free agent last year, you hope that a player like this can come in and take a little bit of the workload off Tank Lawrence and off Randy Gregory and that they can fill a role and that they can keep our defensive linemen fresh because you you got to have a lot of them in today's game and you've got to have a nice five-man rotation, six-man rotation just at the defensive end position alone. Yeah, and I think in this draft, I think we've definitely uh, we've covered that for sure with uh, drafting two extra defensive, two defensive ends. Um, if you don't have anything else, I would go ahead and jump on to pick 238. No, I think we can jump to 238. All right, pick 238. Uh, this guy is, yeah, obviously he's in the later seventh round pick. Uh, he was a guy that we felt like we needed as far as a little more depth. 
Uh, we took Nick Eubanks, uh, tight end out of Michigan. Uh, he's a six four and a half, uh, six foot four and a half, two hundred and forty five pounds. Uh, arms are thirty three inches. Hands nine point seven five. His wingspan is seventy nine. Uh, his his forty at the pro day was a four five nine. He ran a three cone at a seven oh three. His uh twenty twenty yard shuttle was a four five three. Uh his bench was nineteen, his vert was thirty four, and his broad jump was ten one and an eighth. Um now I'm gonna run down my pros here. You know, and truth be told, you know, this is a guy that uh he doesn't have a whole whole lot of playing time. Um it and there wasn't a whole lot of film on him. So, and I want to ro- run down my pros, and I want you to tell me who this is all over again. Very athletic. Um, very good route, route running ability. Speed that allows him to split the seams. Uh, somewhat of a mis- uh He's a mismatch for linebackers more often than not. And poises good hands, ability adjusted to the ball thrown in there. Now, who on our roster does that sound like? George Kittle. Nah, <laughs> just kidding. I wish we had George Kittle <laughs> playing at tight end. Nah, this is this is Blake Jarwin. This is Blake Jarwin all over again. Uh, but I've seen enough on the film where we we just signed Sprinkle. Okay, you got Schultz and you got Jarwin. But Jeremy Sprinkle is strictly a blocker. As he's strictly a blocker. Now, this is where I'm going to jump, and it's very rare that you keep four tight ends, but Jeremy Sprinkle's been in the league for a while, and I still think Eubank can can push him for a roster spot. Um, and here's my cons, and this is he is the exact opposite of Sprinkle. Uh, my biggest con was the fact that I said it, Right before I started evaluating him, he's is not much film to to have a full evaluation, a true full evaluation of him. Uh, not a great blocker, and he's undersized. I mean, he's he's two forty five, so he's naturally that's not going to be a good size and weight for him to be a a good blocker. Um, he'll be twenty four on draft day, so he's already in his prime as a rookie. Uh, he missed – there's not a lot of film because his senior year, which was his potential breakout season, he missed most of the season because of the passing of his mother. Um, and I don't – that's not necessarily con, but that's a reason why that we missed on his potential breakout season of his senior season. Um. I think he's a good enough player. I think Schultz is is our blocking tight end. Uh, it's nice to have that second blocking tight end, but I think uh, Eubanks can bring something to the table. Um, he's just like Jarwin all over again, but I still think I've seen enough on his route running ability and his catching ability that he could very well make this team and push Sprinkle out, personally. With Jarwin recovering from the ACL injury, now granted it happened very, very early into the season, so 
with the way modern medicine works today and with the way these doctors do these surgeries, I, he's gonna he should be more than up and running by the beginning of the regular season. Eubanks offers a role as a pass catcher. And can I ask you one question really quick, Seth? Shoot. Have you seen Shea Patterson throw the football? Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I mean, what I saw on tape, I came away from thinking, man, Shea Patterson is not a very good quarterback. Yeah, I and, agree. And I'm not the only one saying that. Trust me, this isn't the first podcast you're going to hear that. Go listen to anyone that talks about Donovan Peoples-Jones. Go listen to anyone that talks about Nico Collins. Those are both former – I'm fairly certain they're both five-star recruits. And they both looked pretty bad in college because Shea Patterson was throwing them the football. I mean, who's the common denominator here? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I agree with Th- that. That was that's the problem with giving him a, a fair evaluation. As a receiver, and that's what he is, he's not a blocker, he's a receiver. When the quarterback play is not optimal, it's just so hard to evaluate. I, I saw a player that had the ability to find some openings in zones. I found a player that when that had the ability that was a good catcher of the ball. I found a player that, you know, was a very good route runner and has the ability to get open. And you have to hope that catching passes from someone like Dak Prescott can help open can help show the talent that we see in him, those physical traits that are in him. Yeah, I think the talent's definitely there. And when we took this player we said that we wanted to swing big at a tight end, but we kept talking about it, and we kept seeing players that we liked that filled a role earlier. And finally, with the last pick, we said we really want to shoot big at the tight end position. And this is a player where, where you're, you're taking a big swing, and it could be a big miss. But even if he just has the role as, as to coming out and being a pass catcher, he can still be effective in today's NFL. Today's Kyle Pitts – is, I mean, his his stock is through the roof right now. Yeah. Granted, this player is not even close. Kyle Pitts is a good blocker, but not a phenomenal blocker. But, man, if you're drafting Kyle Pitts to block on five passing downs, you're making a mistake, and, and you really need to – Think about your offensive scheme. He needs to be running routes every single play because he's such a mismatch. This is a player that you can maybe find as a second receiving tight end that you can maybe get him into a nice mismatch mismatch against like a weaker linebacker. Or maybe you catch a defensive end dropping out in coverage and he can find that soft spot in the zone and make the catch and, and go for the first down. And even if that's just the kind of player he is, at at 238, that's money in the bank. Even if he's just a, a core special teams player with his athletic ability, it's still money in the bank at 238. Well, it's almost this late in the draft. It's like if you can get three or four years of decent production as far as, you know, being able to come in when needed and even the special teams play. Uh that's 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 a win for a late round seventh pick. So and, and with Schultz's contract being up and with Jarwin, 
you got to see how he rebounds from the injury. Well, that's a question in itself. Yeah, you, you know, you could see a tight end being taken. I mean, I just I don't want one taken at ten. I just I don't want it to be Pitts, and I really don't want on want one on day two because I just think we've got some other holes. But if you want to take a shot on a player like this later on in the draft to help cover up the fact that Schultz may leave, to help cover up the fact that that Jarwin. Yeah, maybe he doesn't bounce back from the ACL. I- I'm okay with that here. Yeah, I am too. I agree. And uh, Seth, you know, this is it. We're 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 off the clock. We don't have any more picks, and and we can't. You know, we're not trading anything in 2022 to get back in the draft. So so we're done. So just give me your overall thoughts on, on the draft. And and man, there's a lot of a lot of versatility here. You got a corner. Got an offensive tackle. You've got a defensive end. You've got a linebacker. You've got an interior defensive lineman. You've got a guard. You've got a safety. You've got another corner. You've got a a guard tackle, depending on how uh, you like the player. You've got a defensive end. You've got a tight end. There, there's a lot of different holes and a lot of different positions being taken in this draft. Just give me your overall thought process on what you were thinking when you were on the clock and you and me were talking out these picks. You know, why these guys? And and, and, and I'm not talking about, don't tell me, break it down uh, every single player, but just why this draft and, and why not you know, something else? Well, that's, I'm, I'm not going to say as, as far as players go, but I feel like we filled – um, every need that we have to have in this draft. I feel like, you know, we the corner position is obviously our biggest need. Um, the safety position was somewhat of a need. I mean, we've, we've signed some safeties, you know, since free agency started. But uh, so, you know, we grabbed a safety and then, our biggest concern on defense, well, every position really was a concern on defense. I mean, as far as linebacker depth was a position that we needed to address, we did that uh, with McGrone. And then defensive line, we we took care of that all the way across the board. We drafted two defensive ends and a defensive tackle. More specifically, a guy that's probably going to play our nose tackle. Uh, so, and – you said it earlier in the show. Our offensive line last year was decimated with injuries, and we've been saying it for months now. Uh, we needed to address that position. So I feel like we gra- we draft we drafted players to fit needs all the way across the board. The only spot that I feel like we probably should have addressed that we didn't address was center position. Uh, I, even though I think our center position in uh, Biotish is solidified as a starter, there are question marks as far as depth behind him. And I think that's the only spot in the draft that we missed. But I I, I still like the draft because I think we, uh, we fixed the more uh, – the bigger holes that we needed. I, I, I – for my thought process – I see five starters. I see five guys. Not in 2021. 
But I see five guys that could start in 2022. J.C. Horn, I, I think that he's a starter from, from day one on the outside, pairing up with Diggs. Leatherwood, if he's not starting in 22, he's probably starting in 23 at the left tackle position. Tyrone Smith, the back and the neck, all that stuff's got to worry you. And, and when he's on the field, he's still dominant. But you just have to worry when it's going to be one injury too many. And he's either going to walk away of his own thought process of, of you know, the rest of his life and, and not wanting to deal with um, those injuries and have to deal with them later on in life. Or it's just one injury too much and it he just can't play anymore. I think that Basham can can be a starter. Randy Gregory, we've always wanted to insulate that position. Uh, another player that we had at the defensive end position, Alden Smith. We didn't re-sign him in the offseason. He signed with the Seattle Seahawks, and, and two days later, he's got he now has uh, he just got arrested. So you have to worry about the effect with Alden Smith and. and We've always wanted to insulate ourselves with Randy Gregory, even though we really like the player. We've always wanted to protect ourselves with him, and and I think Basham could come in and could be a starter as just a a, a Tank Lawrence type player. I think that McGrone can be, but I think as long as LVE and Jalen Smith are there, we're probably not going to play a ton of three down linebackers. So he's just he's really good depth at the linebacker position. Uh, I, I Brown could be a starter. You and I talked about. It. I think he'd be a starter at the nose tackle position, and then Banks and Thompson. Uh, so maybe six starters. I think uh, Horn, Leatherwood, Basham, Banks, Brown, and, and Thompson could all be starters. And I still see potential for all these players to to fill a role one way or the other. And, and that was my thought process on the draft. It, I've seen where it's, you know, hey, man, maybe the Cowboys need to take quarterback in and protect themselves against Dak's injury. Gilbert looked really good. I don't mind him being the backup quarterback. At no pick when we were on the clock did I ever say, man, Saz, we should look at the quarterbacks. No, don't look at the quarterbacks. You've invested so much in Dak. Trust and see what Gilbert can do. He looked good in his starts. I didn't even want to look at running back. You know, I've, I've talked about it. I like Dodal. Of course I like Pollard. Of course I like Zika. I like Dodal as, as a running back three. I didn't even want to look at the wide receiver position. We obviously didn't take one. There's a reason for that. I, I, the Gallup situation, will will it'll figure itself out. And even if it's not and we just have and we have to settle for Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb is our one and two, I think we'll get by okay. Sure, one hundred percent. The tight end position, you know, I'm okay with Schultz. I'm okay with Jarwin. I think Jarwin is, like I said, with the advances in modern medicine, I think the tight end position is good to go. I think we've got our blocker. I think we've got our seam stretcher. With this many picks and a draft that I think has some depth at multiple positions, this is this is what I'm hoping the team does. You know, I'm all for best player available, but I'm really hoping that best player available fills a team need this year. Because if we showed anything last year, we showed that, yes, we've got a lot of premier playmakers at some places, but there's also holes at, at, at other positions on the field, and there's also lack of depth at other positions on the field. And it's it's really a reason why we struggled in games last year. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. I like I like his draft. I like I like everything about it. 
I like I feel like we filled everything we needed to fill. And you know, you said we didn't even look at the wide receiver position. We went we went we uh, we went in with the game plan of if we looked at wide receiver position, it was going to be strictly for special team purposes, special yeah. team purposes. So, yeah, I, and that's a, that's another thing we feel that that I didn't even catch with with Brown here, and it's something I said during his breakdown. I think that he is a strong, strong return guy. And with him, he helps elevate two other positions because C.D. Lamb no longer has to worry about punt returns and, and Tony Pollard no longer has to worry about kick returns. Exactly. So he feels – you know, he makes two other guys' life a lot easier and, and, and he solidifies depth at the cornerback position. And and I'm going to tell you what, you know, the downloads and the support that we've gotten for the last episode has been fantastic. And we really want to thank you guys for that. And not just that, but another thing about these two episodes, man, it's just, man, I'm ready for the draft. I love the draft. It's one of my favorite times of year. I get to pretend that I'm as smart as some of these, you know, the Chris Ballards of the world and the John Lynch's of the world and these GMs and these scouting departments that just they they build teams. The best teams usually build from the draft. You know, it's very rare. Not every team is just going to get to go out and sign Tom Brady, you know, like Tampa Bay did. A lot of teams have to build it up. The team before that, Kansas City, they drafted Patrick Mahomes. They drafted a lot of these players. This is one of my favorite times of the year. And if if nothing else, this episode – these two episodes have done they've gotten me so amped and so ready for seven days from now yeah i'm hyped up for it too i can't wait for it to get here um but once again guys we want to thank you so much for your support on on last week's episode and we hope that you enjoyed this one as well we are taking next week off Uh, i do apologize for that I, i know i feel like we've we're on like a nice two and a half three month run where it's been every single week we we really just want to enjoy the draft, and we hope that you guys enjoy the draft. And man, do some do some research when some of these guys come out. If they're not some of the players we took, and they're not some of the players that ESPN's talking about, man, go out and 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 do do a little bit of research and and see what they can bring to the Cowboys. And we will be back the week after that, and and we're probably going to do the draft review the same way we did this mock draft. We'll probably break it down. Day one and two, and then we'll come back the week after that, and and then we'll do day three. A lot of it will depend on how our picks fall. We we want to try to break it down to where it's at least four or five on one episode, and and then the rest on one. We don't want it to be like two and eight. So we'll, we'll see how the draft runs. Um, once again, thank you guys for the support. Have a great night, and go Cowboys.